Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Nobody really needs or wants home security until it's too late. You've heard the statistics about how many burglaries there are per day. You see the news. You know there are people out there that do bad things. The best way to help protect your home and your property is with an ADT monitored system from Protect Your Home, an ADT authorized premier provider. Call right now to get a free wireless home security system valued at $850. An ADT monitored system can help protect your home from fires, theft, floods, and call for emergency help. Call now to find out more about our $850. 
$50 free wireless home security system and start enjoying the peace of mind of security today. Call 800-561-2351. 800-561-2351. 800-561-2351. This offer is for new customers only. Termination fees apply. $99 customer installation charge and 36-month monitoring agreement required. All for details. License terms and conditions available at secureathome.com. This is a national health alert from the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one has diabetes, listen closely. Now, regardless of your age, if you have insurance, you may qualify to receive diabetic testing supplies with little to no out-of-pocket costs. Get free delivery, free information, and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers for free. Call the 24-7 Diabetic Health Hotline now for details. But wait, there's more. If you call right now, you could get a free meter upgrade. In addition, we'll give you a free pedometer as our special gift to you. We have knee, back, and other braces available, as well as pharmacy services. Regardless of your age, if you suffer with diabetes and you have insurance, we can help. 888-303-9136 That's 888-303-9136 Do you know someone who has a drinking problem or drug addiction? Well, you know what comes next. If you or someone close to you has a bad drinking or drug problem and they have private health insurance, free help may be available. Call a recovering addiction specialist now at the Detox and Treatment Helpline. They'll help you get clean and sober and give you a total rehab in a beautiful five-star treatment facility. It's like a vacation, but a clean vacation. If you have private health insurance, quitting drugs, quitting alcohol, and getting sober is just a free call away. Sorry, we don't accept Medicare or Medicaid. Make this free, confidential call now, before someone dies. 866-490-3991. Do you want the best rates on term life insurance? Then remember this number, 800 800- 989-1415. Protect your family with 250000 or more in term life insurance coverage and save up to 75%. Rates are lower than they have ever been, so now is the best time to protect your family with quality term life insurance. Call now for your free quote, 800-989-1415. We'll shop the top-rated insurance companies to get you the best rates from companies you can count on. So don't wait any longer. Call now for the lowest rates ever and save up to 75%. Even if you have term life insurance, you can always add more coverage. If you don't, have term life insurance protect your family today. The call is free. Call Term Direct now. 800-989-1415. Welcome, welcome everyone, pardon me, to Blog Talk USA. We are so happy to be here with you on this marvelous Monday. Before we get started, let me tell you how you can always find us, listen to our live programs, as well as our archived episodes and podcasts. 
you can always dial 515-605-9375 during any live program to listen live by phone. You can also find us at blogtalkusa.com or blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkusa. And you can also listen to us in podcast form on iTunes, Apple Radio, Stitcher, and pretty much any place you find podcasts, you can find our podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, our handle and our name at Blog Talk USA. However you're finding us, we just appreciate that you are and that you're sharing our information with others and that you keep coming back and listening. We are all in this together, and we, of course, would not be here without you, so thank you. Okay, now I do have a little bit of, uh, I guess, housekeeping I need to do. Uh, Dr. McKellar might be on a different phone line tonight. Um, So, Dr. McKellar, if you are calling in from a, a different phone number, please press 1 now. Okay. Okay. So Dr. McKellar is not in yet uh, because she is now Councilwoman Keller, McKellar. So her boots are always on the ground and they are working overtime these days. So we will just um, be expecting her shortly. And uh, I guess without any further delay, we should probably just get right into it because I do know that we have a guest tonight who is a candidate. You know, we love our candidates um, for Texas and nationwide, uh, races all over the country. We, we don't discriminate. Anybody who is stepping up to the plate to run for office, uh, we are there with you, and we're happy to have you on with us. So tonight I know that we have can, a Democratic candidate for Texas State Senate, District 24, Clayton Tucker. And I believe, I hope I'm opening the right line. Hey, y'all. Candidate. Can you hear me? Hey there. Yes, sir. This is Rihanna. Welcome to Marvelous Monday. Dr. McKellar will be in with us shortly, but I didn't want to waste any time. I want people to hear about you. Well, I certainly appreciate so, it. Welcome. Y'all are having a good night and had a good day. It's a bit of a, been a, bit of a rainy day out here in Colleen. Um, so, yeah, quick bit about me, and then I think we'll – I was asked to talk a little bit about Medicare for All. One of those excellent. Uh, one of those top things. Something I could really ramble on for quite a while. So yeah, my name is Clayton Tucker. I'm from this little old town called Lampasas. Um, real rural. There's more more deers and goats than people kinda kinda place. <laughs> and um I'm a former kindergarten teacher. I did environmental research focusing primarily on water and development. I'm a current beekeeper. I have some cows and horses. And I worked with Commissioner Jim Hightower for the last year advocating in healthcare policy reform. What that means in layman's terms is I have slowly become a walking encyclopedia about healthcare in the state Great. of Texas. So, Medicare for all. Kind of it seems like everyone has a um, their own definition of it, and <laughs> we're kind of <laughs> we'll, we'll clear true. the air a little bit. So, what Medicare for all is. Essentially, if I was going to boil it down to its most simplest elements, it is mm-hmm. health care without health insurance. Yeah. Now, we always conflate those two things like they're the same. You know, we say health care, health insurance interchangeably, but they're not the same. Health care, that's like 
your doctors, your nurses, your clinics, um, prescription drugs, things like that. Health insurance are essentially middlemen. Um, that is Blue Cross Blue Shield, Humana, Cobra, and such. And here's the thing. We don't need them to fund health care. We don't need them at all. And if I, right. if y'all ever have any questions or like want to point the conversation in a certain direction, always, always feel free. Because um, I want to make sure that this is good and entertaining yes. for the folks. So, well, and let, let me put this out there just quickly, um, and thank you for that. Uh, callers who are on the line, if at any point you do have a question, uh, just press one one time, and that will flag your phone number. If you have a healthcare question as we go. Um, please do press one and, um, you know, at, at periodic times, um, we can, we can stop and address those because this topic is just huge, huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we really need, I, I would love to really dive deep into this, um, tonight. So please you take the floor and I'll, I'll let you know when we've got some questions. Sounds good. So awesome. let me actually back up slightly and tell y'all a story. Um, well, this is what got me really into the healthcare battle, and it's a story I tell on the campaign trail quite a bit. So I lived in Taiwan for a while. Uh, I taught English there. I was a I studied Mandarin for a while, and when I was there, Taiwan has a Medicare for all like system. Uh, the technical name is single payer. If you ever hear it, and mm-hmm. if you're Taiwanese, you get it automatically done easy, everyone insured. Now, if you're not Taiwanese, you have to be working or studying. Now, between this two-week period, when I wasn't studying and I wasn't working, I get, I got sick. Some kind of bacterial infection, like strep throat. I really tried to tough it out. I really could not tough it out. So, I go to this clinic. Well, first, what I did is I went to an ATM and got all the cash I could because I knew I was uninsured. I go to this clinic. I just walked in. I just picked a random one off the street. Where, where we have Starbucks every corner, they have clinics every corner. And um, I see a doctor, he gives me seven pills to take twice a day for four days, and I go to reception, and I spend about probably 10 minutes trying to explain that I'm uninsured, that no, I didn't forget my health insurance card, no, I didn't lose it, I legitimately don't have one, I am legitimately uninsured, which is a completely foreign concept. And they're like, well, I guess you have to pay for this then, and you know how much that cost me? Five American dollars. Wow. Yeah. And I basically wow. been calling BS, I've been calling BS in our system ever since, and it was not that long after that I came back to the States and started really advocating for health care. Um, oh, my goodness. So, yeah. And the thing is, we can do that here. I mean, there's no reason right. we can't. Because one, you know, I, I live in a rural area, and people ask a lot of questions about, like, well, how much does it cost? I mean, we always get that question. That's usually the first question we get. And um, yeah. and I'll go ahead and dive right into that for, for all the folks who like numbers. So if everything I'm saying you should be able to find, it's called HealthyTexasAct.com. You can also look up MedicareForYall.org. So you should be able to find all this, and, you're, and all the listeners, you're always free to reach out to me if you want to know my sources or where I get these numbers from. But... So our current cost of our healthcare system is $3.2 trillion. Well, that's not the real cost of it because that's just the plain Jane that's on paper. You don't, that doesn't consider medical debt. That doesn't consider loss of productivity. 
Medical debt, by the way, is $81 billion. Loss of productivity is $260 billion per year. So the true cost mm-hmm. of our current system is about $3.2 to $3.5 trillion. Meanwhile, Medicare for all costs us a grand total of $2.9 trillion. It is literally cheaper. It is Medicare for all is the fiscally conservative option. And, um, That's right. Yeah. So what That's does this absolutely mean? Absolutely true. <laughs> oh yeah, because we have so much say in the. I mean, there's a lot of cost savings where Medicare for all can come through. Um, because I know like these are numbers, and it's kind of like hard to imagine what, you know, how does those savings actually come about? Uh, and very very briefly, basically what it comes to is most of the cost with healthcare, like the ballooning and inflating cost are not because of doctors, they're not because of nurses, they're not because of anything like that. It's just because of healthcare administrators, people who argue back and forth about whether or not they're going to pay an insurance bill. Or, you know, like a, a hospital sends a bill to an insurance company, then an insurance corporation says, oh, we're not going to pay that. And that happens all the yeah. time. And they have to, some people have to spend six months arguing with insurance corporations. Um, with Medicare for all, you don't need, we don't need that much. So we see a lot of savings there. We will find actually negotiate drug prices. And by the way, we pay two to three times the amount that other developed right. nations do. And then, um, and the real big cost savings is through preventative care. The best example of this, y'all may have heard, oh, I think this is two years ago, but there's this teacher down in Austin. And he was having kind of heart commutations, like his chest was feeling funny. And nobody wakes up saying, you know, today's going to be the day I have a heart attack. Or today's going to be the day I have a stroke or a car accident or I fall and break something. I think we all recognize that we will all see a medical emergency at some point in our lives. But it's always at some point in our lives, not, you know, today until it very suddenly is. So he and he had health insurance, but he pushed it back. He just kind of waited and waited until he had a heart attack. Um, and he was fine. He, he lived. Now, here's the deal. The cost of preventative care, see a doctor to get some prescription drugs, would have cost around two to $300 grand total, while the emergency surgery, the emergency transportation, and all that cost a grand total of, he got a bill of $165,000, if I remember right. Isn't it? 100 plus K. Um, wow. And with Medicare for all, the true cost savings is preventative health care. And this is yeah. where Medicare for all stands apart from a public option, from everything else. Is that a public option or Medicare for those who want it or Medicare for those who can afford it, whatever we decide to call it, does not create universal preventative care. Now, in the United States, we have a great emergency care one of the best emergency cares in most of the developed world. But our preventative care is not good um, because it's expensive. It's a paywall. Y'all know? Can I throw out there that as mm-hmm. of 2017, uh, according to the CDC, chronic diseases that are totally avoidable through preventative care services accounted for 75% of the nation's healthcare spending and lower economic output in the U S by 260 billion a year. And another just quick little example of that. um, 
or just sort of a, a real life example for people to think of um, providing for example dental care to be included as mm-hmm. you know health as your health care um, you know you can literally die <laughs> from getting gum yeah. disease. Uh, yeah. You know, your your you you can your blood can go toxic if you have a, a horrible abscess mm-hmm. that never gets addressed, and you can die. But right. for a dental cleaning <laughs> once or twice a year, that's covered, that that mm-hmm. you might go to. You know, you can prevent that. You know, that's just sort of a, an example that everybody can sort of identify with. That's what we mean when we talk about preventative care. Um, you know, women well, and men of a certain age, understanding that, you know, going to the visit their physician and understanding that it's time for them to start taking calcium, prevent mm-hmm. a broken hip and a hip replacement mm-hmm. surgery down the road. So just a couple of little examples for people to visualize. Oh, yeah. And um, kind of, I guess, shifting gears slightly to talk about, well, let's talk about kind of what Medicare for All covers um, and this is very simple. The best it covers everything. It covers dental, auditory, mental health care, because, men- yeah. because let's be real, physical health care and mental health care are hugely important. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've had friends who commit. I've lost two friends to suicide. Uh, I'd be damned if mm-hmm. I lose another one. So we need to get mm-hmm. full on mental health care and also get rid of, rid of that stigma against it. And Medicare for all okay. will definitely be a big step in the right direction. Yes. We still we have to change the culture as well to like where people are okay with it, and um, right. was okay seeking help and all those things. But we first have to make sure we have the system to benefit yeah. that. Um, a, a quick then, question for clarification: mm-hmm. the points that you're going over uh, are they specific to the the 2019 uh, Democratic plan uh, that Congress has proposed? Um, yes. It has, you know, uh, tons of co-sponsors. Okay, that specifically. Yes. So we, okay, we're got talking it. specifically about Representative Giapal's bill um, that's yes. in the House right now. Bernie Sanders' bill in the Senate is very similar. There's a slight difference in implementation. Um, right. But it's, it's a very slight difference. But right. effectively, they're, it's the same bill. Got it. Um, Thank you. Oh, yeah. Then I'm guessing kind of like what – well, actually, one thing we could kind of talk about is the uh, uninsurance crisis going on in the state of Texas. I don't know if you all know this, but there are three, basically 3.8 million uninsured adults in the entire state of Texas. Yeah. And uh, if we're talking about children, then it's actually 735,000 uninsured children. And that ain't yeah. Okay. Because one thing we have to realize is being uninsured literally kills. There are, playing a bit of memory game, uh, 45,000 deaths because of being uninsured, of not having access to health care. And actually, that's kind of a low number, in my opinion, because that doesn't take account of mental health. You know, there are 47,000 suicides every single year in the United States. Exactly. That doesn't really take account to um, the prescription drug overdose because we're focusing so much yeah. on drugging people up instead of getting them healthy, and that's, that's 70000 per year. 
and also maternal mortality rate. That's yeah. that's a can of worms. Um, the industrial average is around, I think, 6.3 deaths per 100,000. United States is 26 deaths. Right. But if we're talking for African-American women in the state of Texas, it's 67.3. It is literally, I mean, it should be a crime, in my opinion. Yes. Um, yes. It really, really should be a crime. And it's just, it's not okay. Um, it's not okay for, it's not okay for us. It's not okay for any other country. Um, and it's especially not okay for Texas. Right. And Medicare for all, I mean, it won't, there are a lot of issues. There's a, you know, maternal mortality is a very complicated subject. Um, Medicare for all by itself won't fix it, but it is a key to fixing it, you know? That's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, that's a great point. And don't worry about opening up cans of worms. This whole thing is a can of worms. Cool. I mean, you know, there's no way to even avoid it. Um, and, you know, anybody out there who's listening, you're going to hear a lot between now and November mm-hmm. and beyond um, mm-hmm. of nitpicking about things like implementation. Um, you, you know, uh, <laughs> you were very um, succinct in pointing out that, you know, the difference is very slight between Dayapal's bill and the Congress. And um, Sanders, uh, what Sanders is working on in the Senate and proposing uh, on the campaign trail, um, you're going to hear people make huge mountains out of differences like that. And it's people mm-hmm. who do not want any sort of change, who are a okay with us using this capitalism model when it comes to mm-hmm. healthcare. Um, you know, and that the changes or the uh, the nitpicking that you hear between now and November, especially. Um, please, everybody out there, just please keep in mind when you hear um, people on the debate stage, I seriously doubt the current occupant of the White House is actually going to take a debate stage uh, with whoever. I'd be surprised. <laughs> <the> Democrat. <laughs> I would be shocked. Um, you, you know, so you may be able to avoid that altogether, not that you'd hear any coherent answers out of them anyway. But um, mm-hmm. any nitpicking that you hear out there, please just keep in mind um, it's just a, a like the red herrings. Um, oh yeah. We have a, a system right now, a Medicare system that people who uh, use it, by and large, are pleased with it, grateful that they have it, and you know, putting that on a larger scale, is a natural next step. It's mm-hmm. why we created it. So don't worry oh, about yeah. you know the bits and pieces of implementation. We know how to implement things. We have the largest government in the world, and it works pretty darn well, mm-hmm. despite what all these people who beg you to have a government job every few years and beg you to vote for them, <laughs> who still criticize our government and say we can't do anything, we do okay. <laughs> I just wanted to throw oh, that One out thing there. I like to remind folks is like, look, we went to the moon and back <laughs> right. on a machine that's literally <laughs> dumber than your phone. There My you phone, go. <laughs> I have an iPhone. It is technologically more advanced in the entire Apollo program. Like, don't tell me what we can and cannot do. Um, that's right. That's, that's and right. it's also like, that's we're faith in our country. You know, like, I, I just, like, <laughs> I always think, like, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, it's mm-hmm. astounding. It really is. And by the way, while we're kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of making fun of that sort of mentality, let me just throw out there the very first point that you made um, about the first question you always get. And it is. It's always the first question. Well, how are we going to pay for this? Where is this money going to mm-hmm. come from? How are we going to – I never, ever hear – that question coming from the people who shove huge tax breaks for the wealthiest 1% down our throat. Oh, yeah. You never ever hear any concern oh, yeah. how we're going to pay for this. You, mm-hmm. uh, you don't hear much concern how we're going to pay for wars before we go jumping into them. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, having a healthy populace is only, you know, is, is um, you know, right up there. It's the number one mm-hmm. slot in my view. Number two would be having an educated populace. There's oh, nothing yeah. more important actually, than us being alive and healthy. Oh, yeah, and I'm actually going to show something out there, and y'all might say, what is this guy talking about? But Medicare for All, hear me out, is going to be fundamental to us solving our health, our education finance problems. Yes. It's going to be fundamental. Now, here's Make why. Make the argument, though, please. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Hear it. So the average business – well, first off, let's, let, me, let me back up slightly. Where – at least in the state of Texas, because we don't have an expanded Medicaid, um, counties that have to pay indigent health care services. In Bell County alone, that is around 6% of their property taxes. So we expanded Medicaid. Theoretically, our property taxes could fall by 6% almost overnight, and that also right. applies to schools. Now, here's where the real cost savings for schools and education come, and that is – so the average business spends around 12000 per employee. That's the national average. With Bernie Sanders and Rep. Giappol's bill, that 12000 per employee will drop down to around 3000 per employee. Mm. Now, that's for businesses. Local governments are kind of like businesses in that regard. They're being overcharged. I know the city of Clean is trying to pull its resources together so they're going to have better negotiating power. So imagine if every single school district is paying around $12,000 per employee to provide them health insurance. But suddenly, and like not just school districts, but also county governments and city governments, but suddenly that $12,000 drops down to $3,000. The state of Texas, given the number of local government employees we have, will save $5 billion every single year. Is wow. it any wonder so many of our roads have potholes these days? These right. our local governments are literally hemorrhaging money. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's insane. At one point, I did forget to point out, like, cost savings. Basically, if anyone asks, uh, well, what's it going to cost me? The simple answer is, well, first off, you ask them a question. Do you make around $215,000 $215, per year? If you make anything less than 215000 you will save money. If you make right. more than 215000 as JFK said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what <laughs> you can do for your country. And ironically, you won't be paying nearly as high of taxes as you would have been paying at that time. <laughs> Even with an oh yeah, That's, right, taxes, right. Oof, in the fifties it was like ninety three percent. In the sixties I think it yeah. was seventies or eighties. I can't quite recall. Seventies, I think. Um, 
I think you're right. Oh, no, no, no. You're, it, it, it's a high 70s, maybe low 80s. Mm-hmm. And, again, that's only for, like, the richest of the rich. And half the time, if, right. I, if my understanding is correct, it's like, well, you could pay this really high tax rate, or you could, I don't know, give your employees a raise. Yep. What a, <laughs> what a novel idea. Um, pay them as productivity increases, for example. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I'm also going to say something that, um, mm-hmm. well, this is going to be a fun can of worms, but <laughs> our Open health insurance, oh, yeah, I, I personally believe, this is my personal belief, is that our the health insurance model we have is inherently racist. Absolutely. Here's the reason why. So there is a document, and again, if you want sources on all of this, just go to medicareforyall.org. Send us an email. You can send me an email. Just reach out, and I'll give you the actual documentation. So, 71% of Anglo-Americans get their get health insurance through their employer, through private insurance, essentially. That is not the case for others. For Hispanic Americans, it's 39%. Black Americans, it's 47%. And then you also have to take into account the pay gap. So if I am if I remember correctly, so women overall have to work 25 percent more hours just to receive the exact same amount of health care because of the pay gap. Um, black women have to work 64 percent more hours. Latina women, basically 90 percent more hours every single week just to make the same amount or just to get the same health care. And I think that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why maternal mortality rate is particularly high, um, particularly around women of color. So Medicare for all ain't going to have this problem. Right. Absolutely. I have a question. And Mm -hmm. if I'm interrupting too often with questions, you just roll right over me and and keep going and tell me to be quiet. No, no, no. I've been liking your questions. It's it's all good. Well, um, I know that the, you know, how will we ever pay for it is the first question, but I would think uh, that right up there around number two or number three is um, a question uh, that either directly asks or sort of, you know, includes in its premise, isn't this just a government take, taking over of our healthcare system? Uh, mm-hmm. Can you please explain why that is, um, first of all, a, a poll-tested, you know, or, or um, focus group-tested phrase that is used deliberately uh, to mislead people, first of all, and second of all, just completely the wrong way to even approach looking at this. Uh, right. That whole gover- government takeover of, you know, the government's going to be in charge of your doctor and tell you what to do and decide, you know, put you on a list. You know, why is that just so wrong? Well, God, where to start? Um, I know. <laughs> so first off, I will, I usually ask folks, well, what do you think of public schools? And also, right. well, actually – you know that's, that's government funded, but here is actually let me quote FDR. Uh, I think he he hit it pretty well. That all that government is, at a fundamental level, all that government is is organized self-help. The only real question is who is that self? 
Does that sell corporations like insurance boards? Is that or is that sell you and I, the people? Yeah. So I think we have a fundamental question is who do we want to control our health insurance or our education? Do we want us, me, you, listeners, do do we want us to have a say? Or do we want to let's be real, give up that control, give up that power right. and say, let's do some shady board who I mean, I'm just going to say it may or may not even be the United States um, right. control this. And also, you know, like, well, right. the government's going to, like, what if the government says you can't do that? Private insurance says that crap all the time. Right. Um, exactly. Like, don't give me that. And also, exactly. and, and on a very technical level, Medicare does not employ any doctors. No doctor works right. for Medicare. Medicare is a reimbursement service. Medicare for Absolutely. all is the exact same thing. Doctors will either be self-employed or they will work for a clinic or a hospital or something. Um, they will not Absolutely. work for the government on a technical yes. level. Yes. <laughs> well, and then there's also, you know, for people to realize um, that, you know, in, in one model, the goal and the center and the motivation is profit driven in the other mm-hmm. model it isn't it's really that simple <laughs> right um, i mean it that's just as simple as it gets that along mm-hmm. with the government does not you know this isn't government doctors and government waiting lists and government you know no it's Mm -hmm. that's just not how it is the va isn't government doctors and medicare right now as it is is not government doctors like you said reimbursement exactly that's it yeah it's just it's literally that simple just reimbursement but it's it's very stable reimbursement so one thing people also ask well how is this going to affect doctors and look Mm -hmm. Until we have free college and free medical school, we do have to be very concerned about, you know, how doctors are going to pay back their student loans. I have a couple of friends who um, are in medical school, I think up in St. Louis, last I checked, if I remember right. And they're they're getting a lot of student loans, and that's a whole can of worms probably for another radio podcast or radio time. (laughs) But um, but it's like, well, it won't really affect – it will have some effects to doctors, but it won't, the effects will be actually pretty beneficial. First off, if I remember right, every doctor spends around two hours dealing with insurance per week. Yep. But nurses yep. spend 18 hours yes. fighting with insurance. And that's, you know, they could be spending that time, I don't know, doing doctor and nurses things. I don't think anyone becomes a doctor or a nurse to deal with paperwork. I have right. yet to meet a person who's like, Oh, why did you become a doctor? Oh, I wanted to deal with paperwork. I wanted I to fight with insurance. I love dealing with paperwork and insurance companies. Yeah. 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 I like That's, dealing with red the, tape. <laughs> right. And fighting just, with insurance companies is where that is, too, because I don't know about you, but um, as a special education teacher, there's, mm-hmm. you know, you hear little complaints here and there about, oh, you know, having to go through uh, – you know, Medicaid and do the paperwork, you know, you hear that and then you do the paperwork and you realize it's really not that big of a deal, 
Where uh, mm-hmm. one of the problem is, problems is when I have to vouch for and re-vouch for and document and complain and resubmit to insurance companies. Yeah. It's not the government paperwork that keeps me bogged down. It's when oh, yeah. the insurance companies need me to uh, bend over backwards and, you know, just as a as a support professional for a child, not even the parent, I can't mm-hmm. even imagine what the parents go through. But the, the real fight oh, and the real red tape is the insurance companies, not Medicaid oh, yeah. and Medicare. Here's another kind of good example. So there, if you go to, I think it's called fixitnow.com, there's a video, a documentary about an hour long. It's really good. But there's this lady who she worked for, she worked for, she was fighting insurance in the United States or filing claims for insurance in the United States. And then she worked in Canada. Now in the United States, she would often have to fight with insurance is, you know, and it would take six months of, you know, emails, faxes, phone calls, carrier pigeons, you know, just whatever. And <laughs> the insurance would like never pay 100%. They would always like, well, right. here's 50 or 50% or whatever. Yeah. But up in Canada, which has a Medicare for all like system. Well, mm-hmm. she would type in this code um, you can put in a patient's name, type in a code, and then two weeks later, there's a check. And grand total time <laughs> she spent was 13 seconds to yeah. type in the patient's name and a code. Right. So it's like, right. Well, so, and then that's kind of how it will affect doctors. Um, I mean, also, we do expect Medicare for All to cause a 12% increase in healthcare demand because, you know, when people have health insurance, we'll hopefully use it. Uh, that's kind of the key to preventative care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So there's gonna be more more patients to see, um, and it should be good. It should really work out, and also help the rural hospital crisis because we lost. Yeah. Uh, 23 in the state of Texas. I think it's like 160 nationwide. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So. Well, and by the way, you know the system in Canada. Uh, the 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 universal care system in Great Britain, um, mm-hmm. it, probably Taiwan. I don't I I didn't specifically look at Taiwan, but I mm-hmm. would assume. Uh, but the two that I mentioned, and like in Norway, it, it was the more conservative party of the government that pushed for those systems initially. Oh yeah, um, there because is, um... it. It's the conservative, fiscally conservative and responsible way to do it with lots of people <laughs> to, oh, yeah. to do health care. So just, just wanting to point that out. Oh, yeah. Well, one thing I was talking, so uh, with that documentary I mentioned, they interviewed this um, businessman up in Canada. I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of, you know, I'm a businessman. I've been in business for 20, 30, 40 years. And... Um, I'm also a member of the Canadian Conservative Party, and we I fully, you know, endorse the Canadian healthcare system because then I don't have to worry about it. It's just it's no longer like oh how much am I going to pay for this? It's just one line item thing. They just pay it, it's done. And he's like it's cheapest, it's the simplest, and I don't waste my time or my employees' time with this. And I cannot, for the life of me, understand why my conservative colleagues in the United States fight this. Yes. The answer is because they're being paid off. I mean, which which be real, yes. but um. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's an excellent point. Mhm. 
and if anybody out there is wondering, you know, how we can make such a bold claim, um, just kind of one example, the reason, <laughs> a big part of the reason why we have such a huge um, opiate addiction crisis dealing with, or at least starting with prescription opiates is because lobbyists are allowed to lobby members of our Congress to keep, you know, certain regulations, you know, in certain ways so that they can go around to doctor's offices and, you know, make, do kind of quid pro quos incentives for doctors to write prescriptions for different opiates. And the more you write, the more of an incentive you have. It's just, it's like this vicious cycle. Um, oh yeah. Like every other lobby, the drug lobby owns mm-hmm. our Congress, just like the NRA oh, yeah. does. Oh yeah, and they're really doing all that they can, in my personal opinion, to keep um, medical marijuana from really becoming legal or just marijuana in general. Absolutely. Because that would absolutely solve so many. Problems. There's a lot of um, my district includes Fort Hood, so there's a lot of veterans, and um, there's a phenomenally high rates of PTSD and illness and combat. And it's like, it really should be a crime that we don't have medical marijuana. You know, then we'll just stick to that candle that um, really, I think legalization is a simple, like I'm very pro legalization. Um, Right. I, I run my mouth about it quite often. But we need that as medicine as well for epilepsy for veterans. Like I talked to this one guy, um, I believe his name was Eric. I was talking to Eric and he was saying, you know, when I, you know, consume cannabis, like that doesn't, it doesn't really get me high. It doesn't get me any of this. It just brings me to normal where I'm like functional once again. And um, now Medicare for all won't necessarily affect that, but we need it. What? Right, right. I said, yeah, there are tons of well-documented medicinal benefits that, I mean, they're just there, it's mm-hmm. undeniable. And, of course, the, you know, uh, people who want you to take their pill instead <laughs> are absolutely oh, yeah. crawling all over our Congress uh, to make sure oh, that, that it's their pill that you get and not what you know you need. And, by the way, mm-hmm. we do have someone – uh, who has raised their hand with a question? Are you Ooh. ready to take a question? Sure thing. Sounds good. Okay, great. Nine oh three. I think your line is. Oh, yep, your line is open. Welcome. Oh hi, Miss Rihanna. It's your mother. Hello, mother. <laughs> How are you? Greetings, and I'm so sorry I'm late, but I have a good excuse. I brought my excuse with me. Uh, actually, the program. We had, I was the moderator this evening for the Cannabis Forum here in Tyler, Texas, and it, oh, was it was amazing, and we had so many candidates to come in and share with us why they decided to run. So you're going to have some of those same candidates on the show on Thursday, but greetings, good evening. Who, are we, who do we have right now? I didn't, I didn't hear well, exactly. Uh, candidate Clayton Tucker and I have been oh, yeah. talking about really in-depth about Medicare for All and covering a lot of ground and, and really having a, a, an awesome discussion. He's so knowledgeable, and Texas is lucky to have a candidate like this stepping up to the plate. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, Welcome. Let me thank you. 
much for being on with us tonight. I'm sorry I wasn't there at the beginning, and uh, but uh, I know that Miss Rihanna took excellent care of you, and the listeners are, are really gaining knowledge on what you can bring uh, to the great state of Texas. So thank you so much, and uh, and carry on. I will I will continue to listen in, and and we're not going to stop with just Monday. Uh, we're going to uh, marvelous Monday, and it is a marvelous Monday has been all day, but we're going to um, we're going to bring you in on some of our other shows as well, so that people in various areas of Texas will know exactly uh, who you are and what you're singing for, what you're saying. So I certainly appreciate it. That's really great. Yeah, yes. I, I just shared with all the candidates because what we want to do is make certain that all of our constituents are educated and know exactly yeah. what our candidate stands for and why we should vote for them and not someone else. I don't know if you have a candidate uh, that's uh, opponent, I should say, that's running against you, but uh, but not I can in the tell Democratic you primary. It's, it's okay. You do have someone not in the Democratic primary. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. So. So we're we're very impressed with uh, with Miss Kathy's information about you and so forth. And so uh, I want to hear a little bit more. And and I, I hate to uh, say repeat repeat because I, I I know Miss <laughs> probably asked you all of these great questions. But just to give me just just give me a little bit of your background, what you've done in your career, and then so I'll yeah. know. And then we'll we'll make sure that others know about you that was was here tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. As a matter of fact, and people can hear uh, any comments that you're going to be making, uh, we'll have, we have you on speaker so that they can hear. Go ahead. <laughs> All and right. Quickly, so uh, before I forget, Clayton, uh, please mm-hmm. tell me the name of that documentary one more time so I can post it as, uh, in it the show info. Fix It Now, Healthcare in Crisis. Fix It oh, Now. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think everybody could hear that you said Exit Now. It's a fix it now crisis. or fix it. F is in yeah, Frank, I X. Oh, yeah, F I F I X I T, you know. Yeah, fix it. Fix it now. Okay. So, so we can expect you to be able to fix this healthcare system. And, and let me just share with you that healthcare is very, very important to me. I spent uh, 50 years in, in healthcare. I, I know I don't I don't look like it, but I did. <laughs> no, so, uh, but at any rate, healthcare is very 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 important. I think that's one of the most important issues uh, that we can face right now uh, in this country. Because if we have a healthy America, then we can have healthy and happy people. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's crit- I mean, we can't have a healthy America. Or a healthy economy, or healthy whatever, healthy military, yeah. healthy what name what the one thing that's important to you? We we can't have it if people ain't healthy, and um, exactly. even education. So yeah, a quick bit about me. I've had a, a a little bit of an interesting journey, I suppose you could say. I am a former kindergarten teacher. I had a class of fifteen boys and five girls. It was mayhem. Oh wow! But it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I'm also a former environmental researcher with the National Science Foundation. I studied primarily water, and I did so a lot in Pittsburgh, but also a lot in China, where we went around to villages that completely collapsed because they ran out of water, Mm. and really kind of got to see the 
the worst of the coming climate crisis. We went to um, we is uh, how was it? Cities now, Tianjin, I think it was. It was at the time it was the most polluted city in the world, and we were there. We we're doing some research, just getting historical data. And three days went by, and the winds changed, and I realized we were right next to a mountain range, like like literally 10 to 20 miles away from a mountain range, and we had no idea because it was a small. Oh wow! Um, I am also a beekeeper. Um, one thing I did for I also have some horses and cows live out in a ranch in Lampasas. One thing I did forget to mention, and I always forget to mention it, and my campaign always gets mad at me that I keep forgetting to mention it, <laughs> is um, <laughs> I'm an author. I wrote a science fiction book called Mandated Happiness. It is the best oh, Mandated Happiness? To... Yep. Mandated Happiness. Mandated oh, Happiness. Wow. The best way I'll to describe it is it's, it's 1984, but with Facebook. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little, it, it can get a little much, at, a little creepy, like, oh, that seems a little too familiar. Um, right. The idea is, and we've all heard this technology, someday we'll connect our brains to the internet, and, you know, if you want to learn a language, just download it to your brain, and, you know, it'll be, you know, this and that. Imagine if Fox News could download whatever it wanted to our brains, or if Trump could download oh. whatever he wanted to our brains. And have it where we wouldn't know what was downloaded and what wasn't. Um, basically, that's the whole thing of the book. Imagine. You were here for the 2016 yeah. campaign, no? <laughs> yeah, imagine that, but like a direct connection to the brain. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, worse. my word. Um, I'm buying that book. Where can we find that book? Is it on Amazon or? It's on Amazon. Uh, my author okay. page. If you if you actually if you type in mandatedhappiness.com, you should uh-huh. find it. Um, okay, I'll post a link in the show description. Perfect. And then what I've done for the last, you know, I have always said last year, but I think it's almost last year. It's not quite a year and a half, uh, maybe a year and a quarter. Is I've been working with Jim Hightower. Uh, hopefully. Mm. Hopefully a lot of listeners remember him, but for those who are new to oh, Texas, yeah. who, who kind of like, oh, that name rings a bell, he was mm-hmm. one of the last Democrats to win on a statewide office. Uh, he was That's the right. Texas Agriculture Commissioner. Him and Ann Richards were, I believe they were the last Democrats to win. Actually, I think there's one yep. other guy, but I cannot remember his name. He was Railroad Commission. Um, yeah. So I've been working with Jim. We we travel around the state and basically I just, I advocate for healthcare. I do other, uh, and I also do other things. We are about to get into a green new deal uh, battle. I am, I am literally drafting a green new deal bill for Texas. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) Conversation for another call, I suppose. (laughs) And we do like our healthcare policy advocacy and things. Now, now that you brought that up, uh, the Green New yeah. Deal is it going to is it going to have a resemblance of the Green New Deal in Washington D.C.? <laughs> there will be similar. I I haven't fully been able to go through um, the Green New Deal bill in um, in D.C. I've read. I mean, I looked at the resolution, but this is a proper like this is a bill. This will mandate yeah. Texas to do certain things. Uh, some of the, you actually know we just launched a website about it. Oh, what is that website URL? Um, 
rgreennewdeal.org, fully spelled out. Um, okay. Because the, the Green New Deal in, in Washington was the blueprint so that states like yours and legislatures or legislators mm-hmm. uh, to be like yourself could take those ideas and write bills from them. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's I, I just hope everybody out there recognizes that because there was a mm-hmm. huge is a huge propaganda machine that tells you that the Green New Deal says you shouldn't have any more babies and we can't have planes anymore. That's not true at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, that ain't the case. You know, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Mhm. Maybe things, things like people, right? Oh yeah. Right. Oh, they, that, yes. That's, Keep people that's their bread and butter. Yeah. So, like, I guess real sure. quickly, um, a couple of things: the green, mm-hmm. our green New Deal is going, the te- Green New Deal for Texas is going to include is um, a huge boost in renewable energy. We want to actually reach 100% renewable energy by 2030. I don't know if y'all know this, but wind power just surpassed coal power this year in the state of Texas. Yes. Um, Absolutely. We are really rocking it um, with wind energy. We produce more wind energy than all the other states. And I like, and, you know, in Texas, it's, you know, everything's bigger than Texas. So let's uh, keep this, keep this train going and really become a wind and solar powerhouse because, well, for at least particularly for West Texas, wind and sun, we have a lot of that. Uh, (laughs) Yes. That that is a very renewable resource that we don't run out of. Absolutely. Um, And also includes boosting like regional transportation where we can rely less on cars and also boosting fuel efficiency for cars and where like electric car infrastructure. I would really like to see the revival of the civilian conservation corps, um, Mm -hmm. which was also called FDR's tree army. Basically we can use that to replant forests. Um, I know East Texas, y'all have a lot like the, um, a lot of the forests there have been cut down there. Some of them are struggling. um, Some of them more than others. And we look, we can, you know, we really need to replant these trees, but that stabilizes the climate, and that also brings yeah. back rain, and can secure water, pretty well. Speaking of water, we should also make sure that we give uh, water legal rights because we re- in the state of Texas, we regulate oil more than we regulate water. That's it. Which blows my mind. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, um, and of course, we need to help um, rural communities have recycling centers um, because a lot of them, Lampasas doesn't, Colleen doesn't really. And of course, the thing that's really going to make a lot of friends is uh, we need to end all tax exemptions for fossil fuel facilities like those in Corpus yeah. and Beaumont, which I kid you not, some of them do not pay a lick in taxes. Some of them get a check from us. Yeah, I think probably most of them do. I want you to throw this, Miss Rihanna, Miss Tucker. I want to throw this in. You you said something very powerful there. You said that we regulate oil more than we regulate water, and 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 Mm -hmm. that's simple to really be able to understand that. How much how much money does water bring, and how much money does the oil bring? So it's 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 all about money, right? And that's exactly what yes. I said. That's that's really unfortunate, but it's true right. because we need. Yeah. So so let, let me switch a little bit, guys. 
uh, Miss Rihanna, I, I know, I think that you've had Sister Tucker for since eight. And so we want him to give us some final comments because I think we still have our other candidate out there. Uh, hopefully, okay. uh, Frazier, my phone has actually been used to, uh, to, to video. And so I had invited another candidate on, and I don't want you to go away by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but we also want to bring that candidate in that's running for Texas House of Representatives uh, candidate. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that they're still there. It should be a 281 number, Ms. Rihanna, 281-780. If that number okay. is on, uh, please uh, please bring them in. And then, then we want we Tucker want to, to give us some final comments, and then we're going to jump over into the second half of the show, and then we're going to bring uh, uh, Dr. Frazier in to talk to uh, uh, Fitzger, to talk to us about why he has decided to run for the Texas House of Representatives. And before before we do that, let me just share with you guys that on our on our podium tonight, uh, we had we had nine candidates, and not one of them was a female, not one. Oh, and wow! Tonight, when I opened up, I said, "Where are the women?" Uh, and uh, but anyway, here we are, right here. This is where we are. We're mm-hmm. right here on Great yeah. talking about all of those great candidates that are running in the great state of Texas. And we got to make sure that that we have some people on the Democratic tickets that's running statewide that's going to win some of these seats because I yeah. want to see uh, equality. I want to see balance uh, here. So, anyways, go ahead, Tucker, and give us your final comments of anything that you wanted to say, and then we're going to jump over to the hour. Go right Okay. I'm actually going to end my time with a little bit of a story. Um, I don't know if y'all can tell, but I like telling stories. So, <laughs> a long time ago, <laughs> there was a young guy. Uh, he, was, he was actually about my age, and for everyone listening, I am 28 years old. I will be the first representative um, born in the 90s. So... He was about my age, and he was running in a district that was red as red could be. It was partly urban, but a lot rural. Sounds like a certain state I think we all know and love. And um, he decided he was going to run on protecting our environmental heritage, um, jobs for everyone, and really going around and really meeting everyone, just talking to folks, and just really getting out there, not sitting still, not just laying around, but literally meeting the people. And, well, long story short, that was the very first election FDR ever won. And mm. I think that's what's going to take to win Texas. Not just my seat, which is the Senate seat for District 24, but these House seats as well, these state houses. Look, we have to take the state house. We absolutely have to. We cannot be gerrymandered into political living again. We've got to take Congress. We've got to take the U.S. seat. And we're going to do that when we're working together. When we're going out there, really talking to folks, really talking about their kitchen table issues, which healthcare is definitely one of them. But most important is when we, as a party and as a people, come together and work together for the common good, and really not just talk the talk, but legitimately walk the walk, just all throughout the state. And when we do that, we all win. And yeah. again, thank you all so much for letting me be here. You can learn more just. Search uh, Clayton Tucker. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can also go to my website, which is TuckerForTexas.com. That is fully spelled out. And again, I 
y'all actually the very uh, first radio thing I've ever done. So it's been a real pleasure, and oh, wow. I'm really hoping to. Well, we'll be seeing we'll be seeing each other around. I ain't going. Wow. Hey, we're, we're every every Monday, same time, same number. So you come back and join the conversation anytime. I certainly appreciate it. With you. Tucker, thank you so much for saying that because I want you to know and the people that are listening out there that radio is the thing. People are uh, using more radio. It's more economical than television. And so Mm -hmm. candidates are on radio all across the waves, all across Mm -hmm. the nation. So we're delighted that you came on to be with us uh, right now. So we're going to switch over. Absolutely. Ms. Brianna, if you have a number, 832-229, that's our candidate, uh, Dr. Andrea. Uh, bring him in. If you press one, please, uh, oh. Doc, and press in. Do you still have that that call on? I I opened a two eight one. I'm sorry, I okay. misunderstood. No, you. no, uh, I, I, I said that. Open the eight three two 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 nine number. We don't. Uh, Do you uh, see that if, if that person said press one. Oh, no, oh, I see it now. There we go. Okay, your okay. line's open. Okay. Hello. Dr. How are Andrew? you? Yes. Great. How are you Thank doing you. Tonight? Wonderful, and thanks for staying right there with us. I'm sorry uh, that, uh, well, I'm not real sorry because we had an amazing forum tonight of nine outstanding candidates that are running all across uh, East Texas and into the nation. I don't know if you know uh, Mr. Hank Gilbert that's running for the House of uh, United States uh, Congress against Louis Gohmert. And so we have okay. him and many others on tonight. But please share with us. And so we're delighted to have you to be on with us tonight. Uh, Miss Rihanna is our co-host and our engineer. And uh, so we have a lot of questions for you. But just go ahead and give us a, 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 or two, a minute or two introduction about, uh, about who you are, what you're running for, and why okay. you decided for that seat, please, sir. Go right ahead. Well, I would like to segue into what the gentleman, uh, Clayton Tucker, uh, had to say. He was really amazing in his knowledge of health care, yeah. health care for all. Uh, I'm 52 years old. I'm a kidney patient. I'm a dialysis patient. Uh, I lost my kidney function about four and a half months ago. Uh, Hearing him speak on the dynamics of health care mm-hmm. and the abuse of capitalism, especially when it comes to health insurance, really was a, a mind opener for me because I know it in layman's terms because yeah. I've been in situations where thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of treatment was denied me because my name, because of the last two letters in my name, just mm. so just so it won't be paid or serviced. I've seen people lose their kidneys because authorization wasn't given. That caused me to do something. Now, I'm not as well-versed when it comes down to the percentages of this or that, but I do know that humanity is a necessity when it comes to public service. And I'm watching the abuse of capitalism take over our government, our politics, to the point that no one trusted anymore. And we're yet voting every year on the same subjects, health care, abortion, jobs, education, health care, abortion, jobs, schools. Every year, and like you said earlier, we're a great country. 
We're a big state. We have the power to solve these problems with whatever reason, whenever greed is involved, commonwealth for everyone is hindered. And that's the thing that caused me to put my hat in the ring and run for this office to show some humanity to our constituents, to show them that we do care. I heard so many answers tonight. I heard so many uh, equations brought out tonight. And you know what? All of those great answers are not even being taken into consideration to pass as bills. Okay. And it's and it's and it's and it's sad. That's the reason I decided to run for state representative of District 126, is to show the constituents I feel what you feel, and let me become an advocate for you. Let me become a government or a diplomatic advocate for you, to let you know that we are listening, and maybe we could do something beyond politics that could help you live. Am I still on? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. We're that, You're just taking that, our breath that, away right now. <laughs> that's where. That's where I am. Yeah. I'm like God. This is. This is enough. And I yeah. believe that there is a strategy from the kingdom. I believe there is a strategy from God, not just religious talk, but a way to think and a way to believe that are so yeah. people that life can still be livable that we can establish laws. And if we can't establish the laws, at least we could establish culture. Y'all said some yeah. amazing things tonight, how this, the corporations have bought politics, have bought our government. And we have answers, just like this young man, 28 years old, and brilliant. I'm like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I want him to win. And I want to win, too, because I want to work with that young man. I want to mm-hmm. work with him. I want to watch him advance this thing. But it's funny that our life has become like used property to the point that when you're on insurance, they find the cheapest part to help you with instead of going bankrupt to help you. And I hate the feeling of feeling depreciated. I hate that feeling. I hate that feeling that once you get insurance, it's like insurance loses its value once you get sick. And yeah. it's a shame. I just, I just hate it. So I'm a layman. Right. I'm a teacher. I'm an author. I'm a, a, a minister. I'm a goodwill ambassador that was commissioned by I Change Nations, which is a United Nations Interfaith Peace Initiative module. But when I experienced this with my kids, I'm on dialysis right now. And I just found out today that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of treatment was not paid because of mm. my name. <laughs> Do y'all understand what oh I'm my saying? Goodness. Okay, yeah. so let, okay, let, let me jump in. Let me jump in for just a hot second. Okay, because you said that twice. Uh, yes. What is it with you? First of all, tell us, what, tell us what your name is. My name is Andre. Listen, my name is Andre right, Fiverr. Right. My exactly. birth spelling was my birth spelling is U N D R A. I'm sorry, U N D R I A. A right, okay. I A. So okay, now my mother. I'm I'm about to tell you. I'm about okay, to tell you ahead. because the young man just blessed me. 
Yes. Now, I've gotten this insurance uh, from the marketplace some years ago when I started having health challenges. I've had surgeries. I've paid thousands of dollars of premiums. I've been in a hospital more than once. My name is UNDRIA. Now, at times, I would spell my name UNDRAI so you could pronounce it because I got tired of folks calling me Andrea. So I just switched the two letters, UNDRAI, paid the insurance, paid the premiums, hospital. Today, I find out that my kidney treatments were not paid. Why? We don't know if that's him. Now do you get what I'm saying? Wow. wow. I, they, they, they know it's you on that check you send in to pay the insurance. Oh, yeah, exactly. there you go. <laughs> and when you call to make the payment, they also ask That's you, right. do you want to pay for somebody else? Uh-huh. <laughs> do you want, uh-huh. do you want to no make problem payment for somebody there. else? No problem there. <laughs> That's the thing. Government has lost its humanity. That's you right. want our votes, but you've lost yeah. your humanity. Yeah. And for some reason, I feel to connect with government, to bring a humanity to it, to show my constituents that I'm going to value their humanity. Because yeah. I don't feel you could represent me if you've never felt what I felt. Right. Instead of being representatives, it's like we are just corporate managers now. We are like yeah. political corporate managers. Who's handling business? Who's handling taxes? But instead of finding out who's handling people, yeah. and, I got, and I'm running because I want to touch people. I want them to believe again. I want them to feel that we are not just politicians and people who've been voted in to better jobs, but mm-hmm. we are human beings that feel them. And when we can feel humanity, our policies will also bless humanity as well. Yeah. And right now our policies are not being a blessing to humanity. Wow. So so you mentioned that you're you're on your dialysis like presently, like do you run your own dialysis yourself? No, I go to a center. I go to a dialysis yes, I go to a okay. dialysis center. I don't trust myself enough <laughs> to do it myself. It's like no no, I go okay. to a center. But I've seen so much. I, I, my doctors cleared me for this race. Uh, and Wonderful. I've seen so that was much. my question. I, that was my next question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, my family blessed me to do this, and my doctors cleared me. And I've seen Wonderful. so much, though. I've seen so much as it relates to humanity and the human dilemma and how to govern. And I think the, the way this culture is set up right now, our ability to govern has been forgotten. We're yes. yet voting for presidents, and we're yet running elections, but we've forgotten how to govern. Mm-hmm. And I believe once we begin to maximize the true spirit of governance, then everything is going to heal itself. But we have a battle on our hands. We have a major yes. battle on our hands. And it's more than yes. just Democrats and Republicans. It's people. It's a spirit. It's there a core. It's a there mindset. You know? Well, the, well, the one thing that I, I tell, and this is what I told them tonight when I was moderating uh, the um, the candidates' forum, is that, yes. yes, we have a two-party system in this country. We have to face that. We do. That's we have right. a Democrat, we have a Republican Party, but, but when people win these elections, 
then they have to represent every person. And this is why, this is what what many people are saying, uh, Doc, that they don't see this happening uh, when people get into office. They still gear toward that one side, uh, and, and that one side is the party in which they ran under. So, so I am right. happy to hear that, that you're running because we need more good people running for office. Many of the good people that should be in office, like yourself, are not running out there to represent uh, our country. And that's so. So, my I guess where I'm going with this is, what are you going to be able to do to to help to make sure that people can stamp "I voted"? Because I hear people saying all the time, Texas is a red state. Well, if you really oh, look yeah. at Texas is just a non-voting state, bottom line. That's all that is uh, because I can look at my own district here and I can tell you that and, and I, I, I ran on the Democratic ticket for United States Congress. And so everybody knows that I'm a Democrat, right? But oh, yeah, I'm also a United States Army officer retired. And so I represented every person when I was in the United States Army. So, so as an elected official, we got to represent everybody. But Tell me what it is that you see that you want to change, and I, I can see that you're a proponent of health care, uh, oh. you're an advocate, you want to make sure that everybody uh, has health care. And we live in the richest country in the world, and everybody should have health care. What, what are oh, you yes, going to do to make sure that people get to the polls to vote so that they can vote you in and more good people who are running on these ballots right now in 2020? Thank you. I want to continue to show civility, human civility. I want folks to feel the authenticity, not just of my message, but of my life and my pursuit. My biggest challenge is getting people to believe again, especially in our African-American communities, especially in underserved areas that feel forgotten. They justifiably feel forgotten to the point they don't think about voting, especially in primaries or early voting. They don't consider it because they feel the system is rigged. And when the culture of a people feels that a system is rigged against not only them but everything good, they forget it and they look for something else. They look for something else to do. And we just can't continue with the small percentages of the learned voters who vote every year in every election. We need to expand it. But there is a cultural difference, not just black and white. There is a there is a shift in the mind and the thought. They actually feel that we are not real. And when you find a person in an underserved area who feel they are only voting you to a better job than them, they won't vote you to that better job. The, the the community has to know that you're not going for a job. You're not running for office for a job. They have to feel that there is a common wealth that you're going to provide for them. They have to see when you look at the word common wealth, it means not only is the king wealthy, but everyone under that king is wealthy. Everyone is well. Everyone is whole. And I don't think our community feels whole. And so what I'm doing is continue to, to spread civility and understanding. Hopefully we could get this done in the next couple of months. Hopefully I could get out of this primary and make it to, to November. 
we have to show that this isn't make believe. See, right. we have the we have the philosophy of government, but now the philosophy of government has to turn us into something tangible, a belief. And they have to believe that their vote is not just an open door or access to a greater job, but we have to treat their vote like an investment. They have to feel that their vote is a voice, not just a silent voice to go into the polls, but they have to have room to talk and room to speak, and someone needs to listen to them, especially in underserved communities, because I believe we can win. I believe we can. So that's right. my attempt is to get the churches involved, to get the schools sure. involved, to get there young you people involved, to get yeah. uh, ex yeah. folks who had been in prison or in jail who felt they couldn't mm-hmm. vote again. We begin to uh, register people who completed their probations. They didn't know that they could get back into the system and vote. We that's have it. to find mm-hmm. those people that we consider scattered, and we need to empower yeah. them. We have to show yeah. them, hey, we see you, and we're going to make it happen. But we're also going to have to show them self-responsibility as well, how to stand up, how to have a discipline about them, how to move mm-hmm. forward, and how not to look for the most convenient thing in life. You know, I'm very, for these. Excuse me? No, I said very good. I'm listening. Very good. Oh, yeah. I'm for and I'm for the the gentleman was talking about the medical marijuana. I'm for that for medication and for health purposes. But our culture has been ravished and destroyed so much I don't even know if we have room to even take a chance to play with marijuana as our, as our culture. If you follow what I'm talking about. You, you're I making a, been, making an excellent point. Excellent point. Yes, excellent. we've been We've been destroyed psychologically for so long, and who we are, we've been ostracized, but I don't believe we could afford an option. I think we have to tap into our greatness. We have to tap into who we really, really are. I don't think we could afford to be convenient and lazy. I think we have to transcend it. I think our our entire character has to be transcended if we're going to make things happen. And that just can't happen in one election. We're talking a, uh, an entire spiritual, psychological shift in America, especially with us. And I think, I, I believe that this moment right now is calling me in it to at least start it, to, to give a small contribution of it, to show our generation that this is possible that we could make this happen because wherever there is a purpose, there is a great reason. And I think government will follow. I think it will. I think we could establish a whole new energy of it. Even if this, if, even if it don't take place in Austin, it could take place in our communities because Very they can't good. stop your community. Yes. All politics are local. Huh? Let me ask you this, uh, Doc. Yes, ma'am. What is it that, that you saw in Austin. We know we just came off of a few weeks back. We came off of their uh, their time there in Austin uh, in session. What was it that you would have wanted to see that did not happen uh, at the legislature down there in Austin, Texas? And and, um, and what is it that you want to, aside from the health care? I, I get that. I'm, I'm strong with that health care. Uh, but I'm, I'm also very concerned about our criminal justice system and how things, uh, in particularly in Texas, because I live in Texas. You live there, I live there. Oh, yeah. And a oh, lot yeah. of our listeners 
so so tell me what what you saw uh, during this last session uh, that you wanted to see differently, uh, and then uh, and then what what else do you want to see want to bring that did not happen during this this uh, legislative session? Go ahead. A lot of things like prison reform, it has been addressed. There hasn't been any definite things to bring change about. How do I know? We're still talking about it. Whatever problem you continue to talk about, it means the problem hadn't been solved. Very good. <laughs> it means Very the good. problem hadn't been solved. You could, you could listen. You could listen, and if I keep talking about flooding again, it means the problem hadn't been solved. I'm, I'm still afraid when it rains. When we talk about prison reform, it means it hadn't been solved. I would have liked it to be solved, but I think what's going on is that we're using our government is using our human dilemma to wet our tongues to, to tease us, and they're turning their attention elsewhere. And I want to know where is the elsewhere. I want to know what is the core reason that our lives and our issues are not really looked at. Or it's looked at, but no attention to solve it, especially with flood mitigation, the funds. There's funds to fix everything. But I want to know what is it that we're looking at and why, and why is it so slow? Wow. You, that's, that's, that's my thing. Yeah. That's, and, yeah. we, and we sound smart, and we sound very smart. It's funny when there is an abuse of capitalism and when there is greed in the place that should protect us, the commonwealth is hindered. Wherever sure. there is greed, the process mm. to wholeness is slow. And we could talk about it, and we could sound like incredible revolutionaries, and we could sound awesome. But something is controlling the whole system, and I'm tired okay. of talking about it and mm-hmm. watching it not happen. Right. Yes. Well, let me, let me take it another step further, and I was talking about uh, the fact that a lot of good people do not run for public office, and I can tell you that it takes a lot of cash uh, to run yeah. for public office. And, and money yeah. is involved, and, and, and that's probably one of the primary reasons why candidates don't run for a public office because they don't have that extensive financial asset that it takes in order uh, for candidates to run, especially if you're running uh, on a statewide level, if you're running yeah. on a federal level, e- even if you're running in, in a position that you're running in. I don't know how many counties that that you co- will cover when you win, and you can answer that uh, if you'd like. But I can tell yes, you this, please. know that it takes a lot of money to run for a, a public office. So so uh, my question, I guess it would be, and, and people become very frustrated because of so much money being involved in, in the political process. Uh, so what are your feelings about the campaign financing and how we can change uh, change this thing? And, and people, our listeners out there, they know exactly how we feel. They know, particularly, they know exactly how I feel that I want to remove money out of that, and that I want to earmark a specific public uh, funding. And even even if the candidate matches 
that public funding uh, so that that could increase it a little bit. But I believe that we should earmark X amount of dollars according to the cam- uh, the campaign that's being run yeah. and how much territory. And then after that money is used up, that it's all over, so that everybody has equal footing so that one doesn't have a, a gazillion dollars. I, that's my term that I made up. And oh, so that gazillion means uh, means millions and millions of dollars. And then me over here uh, have a few hundred uh, thousand or have a few <laughs> thousand dollars. You know, so it, it's not a it's not an equal footage, is it? And, I'm, and I'm, so, so I, go ahead, tell me. Talk no, to go me ahead. I'm it. sorry. No, go ahead. No, no I said no. You get where I am and where I'm going with. This. Oh so yeah, you I tell get me where you are. Yeah, where I'm your a, feelings I'm are. I'm gonna tell, you. tell you the truth. I'm gonna tell you the truth about this. I really never considered that. I really never considered the money part of it, uh, the campaign finance and all that. I've never really looked at it for myself. I never looked at it as an unfair advantage or an advantage. I guess based on my outlook and my perspective and where I live and why I do what I'm doing. Um, my biggest hindrance is the lack of trust of good candidates. I think good candidates may not run not because of the lack of money. I think good candidates don't run because I believe the trust that the community has them in, has in them already will suffer because sometimes the community when let me put it this way when I first ran for state rep in 2018 there were people who adored me like this is Dr. Pfizer he's cool when I ran they thought I got into a cesspool they wanted to know why would you do that you're already a good man. Why would you get into this cesspool? I think I thought of that more than the unfair advantage in campaign funds. I thought about how low uh, our climate, our political political climate had gotten to the point when, when a good person wants to get in to serve, that they're not perceived as a good thing. And I believe that was more of an effect at why some folks may not do it. Now, there are some folks who are professional statesmen, professional politicians. I'm not, I'm not a professional. I'm a guy who just saw a situation, and I sort of looked past my limitations. I'm quote-unquote disabled, and I sort of looked past it, even with the financing. I do what I do, and when people decide to invest in it, I'm thankful for it. I try to, to do the best I can with it. I guess if I'm in this for a certain amount of years, I'll begin to get more knowledgeable on campaign finance. But me, I'm looking at it from a whole different humanitarian level. We need money. I never looked at how much. I never looked at from who. I just wanted to make sure that my frame of mind and my consciousness was yet perfect and my cause was yet righteous and why I was doing it. And I believe, based on where I am, I'm not well-versed in all of that, but based on where I am, I believe if your heart is good and your mind is good, that you could create miracles, even in the the midst of this corrupt situation. I believe something miraculous could happen. And maybe I'm just naive enough to think like that, you know? That's where I am with it. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let let me me ask you this. It was a question tonight. 
that was submitted in regards to the Constitution. And, and so w- when you talk to African Americans who are pretty astute in history, uh, mm-hmm. they'll say, well, the Constitution was written not with people of color in mind, uh, in particular black people, because they were enslaved. Um, tonight, when, when this question came about, and I asked this question about the Constitution, and, and so so some of our Hispanic sisters and brothers say, and Hispanics too, and so I said, okay, let's just say people of color then, and then that yeah. that that would include our brown brothers and sisters. But um, but but the question that I asked was, um, uh, if the Constitution uh, applied to everybody. Uh, when it was written, and uh, and so what actually does the Constitution mean to you uh, when when we talk about inalienable rights and and all men are created equal and so forth? And so so can you talk a little bit about what what that means uh, what that means to you uh, as a as a, a man of color uh, when you're out there uh, running your campaign uh, because. Yeah. You, I, I know that you probably run into some shortfalls and some stumps, and and it does take money, and uh, and and it oh, takes yeah. even more money. You got when I kicked off when I kicked off my campaign, we kicked off Bishop Gillery and myself. We kicked off with ten that we we pulled ten thousand dollars out of look at it. savings account. It takes. A I lot wish. Of money. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. I'm I look, I'm busy I'm busy on dialysis to pull out ten thousand. You know, uh, this is the this is this is what I believe, and I know that uh, inalienable rights, all men are created equal. I, I I know it. I never lived from that piece of paper, and I know it may sound odd, but whoever writes a document determines the interpretation of a document. That's right. Whoever writes the thing determines the interpretation of the thing. And I believe that as African-American, as an African-American man, I I really don't live, I'm an African-American man that don't live his color. I live my consciousness. I live my spirit. I live who I am through black skin. And no legislation and no piece of paper could hinder my consciousness of who I am. Even though people may try to treat me like a black man, like an insignificant man, and believe me, I've been treated that way through health insurance. I've been treated that way through Social Security. I've been treated like a depreciated human being. I've been, a, I've been depreciated. I've been depreciated mm. by the very industry that I put money in. I've been made to feel, according to my, to my significance and not my color, but to my essence in the world, I've been made to feel like I did not matter. I do relate to that. And I look yeah. at that as a core sense of the heart, a core sense of consciousness. But I live my spirit. I live my spirit. And I know that I have power. I know that I have an authority and a greatness above whatever was written on that piece of paper, regardless of how who treats me like what. And it's not just whites and black. I'm talking about blacks and black. That sometimes with blacks on black, we feel like we're not equal and that we don't have 
the uh, uncommon rights against one another based on how we feel about ourselves. And so I, I've always felt more than equal, not equal with another man or an equal with another race or culture, but I've always felt that I'm significant in the world. And the only place I have felt different is by industry that I've paid in that wouldn't give me insulin, but they'd give me aspirin. Yeah. I, I, I felt I felt I felt like a used car. I felt like uh, like like I had an accident with sickness, and my premiums went up, and I wasn't at fault in the wreck. I felt like that, <laughs> and that's what caused me to say, "Wait a minute, we need to bring another pattern to governance right now." And once right. again, even when it came, like I said, when it came to finance, I guess I'm so busy thinking about that, that that's the thing that could bring our culture back up if we could reshape their spirit. And I believe mm-hmm. that if we could do that, the little things like money and, and, and what we look like and vote would change itself. Mm-hmm. And some people would say, Andre, instead of running for office, why don't you just go pastor? Why don't you just go to the church? But I don't think... <laughs> I don't think no. I, I don't. I think God has something, and I think He has something dynamic that's different than church Sunday morning. I believe that we could get that same incredible divine mind that God has and begin to put it in governance. I think things will shift with a whole new language, because if we still deal with the same little things, the culture is going to remain the same. You know. So that's that's where I am. Some people might say, "Hey." You may not need to run for the capital. You may need to start a church. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, no, so, no I'm not going to start it. Saying. What you say? There, there's so much to what you're saying, though. Uh, even on like a scientific level, if people look yeah. at uh, the World Happiness Index, countries yeah. who, through their public policy, and how they yeah. govern yeah. show the human beings that are constituents of that country that they are valuable as human beings and that it matters, you know, that they make a collective decision to, to conduct themselves like they yeah. care if their citizens are healthy and educated and able to eat and have a roof over their heads and don't just go to prison and get the key locked, you know, thrown away. That's they, right. That's they, right. you know, have investment into them, like they're actually human beings, even when they've messed up. You know, all these yes. things. These people are happier. The people in That's those right. countries are happier. So what That's you're right. saying is logical and true fundamentally. Yeah. And I just don't treat life politically, and I and I, I think that's right. one of my that's something that I'm very cautious of because in our problems as human beings, we want the government to treat us human, but when yeah. it comes to electing mm-hmm. our officials, we want them to be machines. There right. you go. There you go. <laughs> and it's, it's 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 something. Something's not right when something is wrong. We want the government to have common sense. But when Mm -hmm. it comes to the packaging of diplomats and statesmen and people who are running for (laughs) office, they have to look like something. They have to sound. They have to speak the same 
to let us know that they're qualified. They have to speak mm-hmm. in, in data and stats and statistics to let us know that they're qualified, and they have to know a little mm-hmm. bit about everything. We got to know about corn. Mm-hmm. We have to know about oil. We got to know about planes. <laughs> we have to know about this. It's like I don't know. All I know is treat me right. All I yeah. know is if I'm hurting, treat me right. If mm-hmm. I paid my premium, take care of me. What mm-hmm. I'm making me feel that you're giving me something. You're not giving yeah. me nothing. I paid for it. That's Treat it. me yeah. right and don't take my dignity. Don't tell me what a disability is. Can you comb your yeah. hair? Can you wash your face? That's not a disability. That's yeah. not it. If a person could drive, it's like, no, we can't pay you this because you can drive. Can you oh. walk? How far can you walk before you get tired? Those are not the right questions to ask. Yeah. Especially when we didn't pay it. No. Yes. I think, listen, and I know we've been on here. When you look at the qualifications of a state rep, it says you got to be born in the, in the in the country, born in the United States. You have to live in your district for about ten years, and that, you have to at least be twenty one years old, twenty one, mm-hmm. to be a state rep. But it's like you have to be a rocket scientist to run now. If you <laughs> listen, if all you had to do is be twenty one, it means have common sense. That's, yeah, that's the, yeah. the, the requirement to be a representative is common mm. decency. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not be a rocket that's scientist. Right. Yes. Treat you don't have to have any of right. that if you have enough money, though. <laughs> I, I know it, right? I know it. I, <laughs> I, I introduced you to Louis Gohmert. You the winner. I understand that that's why we hurt. That's why yeah. hurt, and that's why the problems are that's never it. fixed, and that's why that's we're it. sounding smarter every election, but nothing is happening. Yeah, we're sounding greater every election, nothing is happening. Every yep. candidate promises the same thing, <laughs> and who whoever looks the best wins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I'm that's like, right. I can't, can't. So maybe we can yeah. bring a new spirit of conviction. Hopefully I can. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I can to make people forget. Maybe if I speak and share with them and they feel my spirit, they could forget and say, let's go this way. Because I'm going to tell you something. That will be a bold move to vote for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Very good. That's beautiful. Listen, let me ask yeah. you this. Your feelings about uh, Medicaid expansion and talking about health care and the fact that that our uh, some of our legislators down there in Austin uh, voted against uh, Medicaid expansion, <laughs> even some of our yeah, people there yeah. in Washington D.C. Uh, yeah. Since Ms. Rihanna brought up that that very interesting name uh, a few yeah. minutes ago, that person that I ran against that still needs to leave that office. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. some people, we, we know some people sit in offices for year after year after year yeah. uh, uh, and, and become complacent. <laughs> Do nothing. You know, maybe they were always complacent because, because mm-hmm. we're talking about somebody who's never authored a bill on his yeah. own since he's been there. Uh, and and it's, I'm amazed how we continue to elect 
same people over and over and over that's really not bringing anything to amount to anything to our to our um to our district oh, he's, wow. he's bringing our, hate he's bringing hate Dr. McKellar. he's bringing oh, that, 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 he cannot leave that yeah. out cannot that's corruption exactly. and hatred mm-hmm. yeah yeah why, yes. why do you think it's still done why do you think it's still being done my goodness i wish i could answer that i you know i don't know <laughs> It's because I, they've I, mastered the bumper goes. sticker talking point. They can fit one little idea in one little yeah. sentence, and it catches, and it means nothing. But it makes yeah. angry people who don't know any better feel better to yeah. say it and stand behind it. Yeah. People like Louis yeah. Gilbert have mastered that art. Yeah. yeah, true. So what do we have to do? What power do we – what do we do to transcend that? See, that's what I'm talking about. Right. The wrong people That's are consistently key. voted in, and they're not voting themselves mm-hmm. in now. They're not no. taking control of saying, I'm saying, somebody's doing it. They're, they're, they, uh, they have tapped into the core consciousness of yeah. those who think like them. Yeah. They've tapped into yeah. it and, and gotten accustomed to it. They've grandfathered mm-hmm. themselves in it now. This is the person yeah. we always vote for, and we don't even think about common sense now. We're not even thinking about who's bringing light to us. That's we right. had a routine. We, we are in voter routine now. Sometimes it's not just voter recession or uh, voter oppression. It's voter routine. Yeah. Those who vote yeah. are just voting without consciousness now. Yeah. So we have to find a way to defeat that, right. not just the oppression of votes, but voter right. routine. Those right. who got yeah. caught on a cycle and they just go, who do, who do we vote for last year? Here you go. That's Here you right. Go. Whose name is first no. on the ballot? Whose name is first that's on the ballot? Right. Okay. There you and, go. And, and see, that's not voting. And the ones who stay home, the ones who are in the routine of not of not going to vote because what is what do they have to vote for? This guy who's going to ignore them, or somebody else who's going to ignore them? You have to give them something something to vote for, and the humanity inspiring people with humanity and showing them that true to what our government is supposed to be. I am a people of the people. I am one of you. I feel like you feel. I've been ignored like you've been ignored. Let's do this together. Getting somebody to vote for something, inspiring somebody whose routine is to not vote. If we all vote, the people who think like us, if we all Uh vote, we win. Every time, we will win. Every time. Every time. Every time. And and let me let me jump in and share this with you guys. It, it, this is right back to to why good people are not in office and why good people are not running. We have to make sure that people will do their homework. They've studied these candidates before they go yeah. in. And like you just mentioned, they they vote for the first name on top. So, yeah. so and we, we cannot we cannot have biased uh, media. Uh, to, yeah. to uh, cover, you know that that's that's just really really important that we got to have unbiased sources uh, yeah. to, to tell us about the candidates, and then that's why yeah. it's so important, in my opinion, for us to have to have public funding so that so that yeah. everybody can be yeah uh, can can be seen. I, I you can yeah. be seen, and what I mean by that is that the, that the public can know about. Dr. Andre and the people can know about Dr. McKellar and the people can know about right. and they can know about all of these candidates that are running for public office and they got to study and do some homework and, and they can't sit in the house 
and, yeah. and find out what's like like tonight. We had a packed house in that Kennedy Square, and I let me take this opportunity to thank. Uh, my chapter, the NAACP, a local chapter here in Smith County, and the Black Nurses Rock, uh, which is a, a nurses organization awesome. of black nurses that came together and put on this candidate's forum. It was packed. The newspaper was there. The TV stations were there. I mean, the radio was there. It was being covered so that people will know exactly what these candidates stand for. And what they believe in and what they're going to do. And I, and I mentioned to them, I said, yes, we live in, in a two-party system in this country, yeah. Republicans and Democrats. But when you win this seat, you got to represent the people, everybody. The people. I don't care whether they are, are Democrat, whether they're Republican, or whether they're no party at all, right? That's you right. Represent. Yes. Okay. I, I think yeah. Ms. Rihanna yeah. just told me that Mr. Arthur... Uh, one of our uh, one of our co-hosts and our uh, team members is on. Uh, fraternity brother, are you there? Yeah, yeah. How y'all doing today? How y'all doing? Evening. How are, how are you? Hey, I just want to tell you about a couple things that happened today. Like uh, one of them is like the you know they 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 caught the Russians of course doing their thing uh, through social media, and 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 the thing about it was they say that that they're not even attempting to hide it. So and and also another thing that they, they talked about today was that uh, you know you know the polling that they do the regular poll they've been doing for years they say that now since social media is so strong that they're having to reformat even how they uh, do polling so it's going to be incumbent upon us to understand that we're in a global world now and we're and That's we're actually right. under attack well we're under attack so. Uh, you know, we're gonna have we need our people to understand that because we're on social media. Uh, uh, and here, remember what happened last time: said three percent of the bots that Russians sent out were directed toward black folks, directed toward mm-hmm. black folks. So we need to understand that. And so, uh, and so we're just gonna have to just educate our folks about social media, uh, you know, and try to have some, you know, some good sites where people can come get some good information. Uh, like I said, but we're this is a new day. Uh, the old way of thinking, you know, you just you know you just hook me. If you just think away, you. Know uh, here, I got a question. Can I can I ask a question? You yeah. sure can. Do you feel that our community has comprehended the rele- relevance of? Our political represent our political representatives in the community. Do you think they really understand the relevance of a state rep and a senator for their lives? I, I don't. What I don't see is I don't see the state reps understanding the changes that have taken place and educating community about it. Oh, I, I I, I'm with you. That's what I want to see. That's why I asked this question. People won't vote for anything that they don't feel is a necessity for them. If they don't feel that office is a necessity for their quality of life, if they they may know what the position is called, but if our culture don't feel the relevance, see, you feel it, sir. You you're just mentioning what's happening with the Russians, the what where the education needs to be. 
because you feel the relevance. You see it to the point you say we need to educate. See, whatever you feel relevant with, you are willing to learn. Whatever you feel is a necessity to your life, you're open to learn. And most we had a forum here in Dallas. Huh? We had a forum. We had a forum here in Dallas tonight with the the the, mm-hmm. the senator, the, the senatorial forum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I posed question, Roy. I posed question, Roy West about about his vote vote on uh, uh, eighteen eighty two charter schools and so forth. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and and basically, and basically after the meeting, you know, he came up to me and uh, you had a conversation. And I told him one of my problems was that the rep, the state reps were not bringing the information back, like 1882, Charles thing. I was telling yeah. him that they didn't bring the information to us so we could prepare for the attack. And he told me, he said, yeah, he basically put it back on. The, and, and he's right to an extent, the state conference, NAACP, he said, he said we need to have people down there and know what's going on. But see, my thing is, you my, but wait a minute, but you my rep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. I need to have that too. I need to have that too, but. You know, if I got to rely on them to get my information, and then I can't rely on you, now I got to tell this guy. Right. In the meantime, you know, in the meantime, he's over there making money and doing whatever it is he's doing. Yeah. But he was quite yeah. concerned about my question about uh, 1882, him co-sponsoring it, and him uh, 1842 giving the governor kind of power to come and take over people's schools. So he's he, hmm. he, 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 he's perturbed about it. But based on just saying, state reps should educate communities just like NAACP and other organizations. Yeah, yeah. I agree, but that's what I'm finding out in my community. Most people don't know the relevance of why it's necessary. They don't know, don't seek to know. We have a state rep here. I haven't heard anything from him, hadn't done anything, but I can't think about what he's going to do. I'm looking at what we're about. So you're exactly right. I just wanted to know that because I see that's one reason a lot of us don't vote. That's why a lot of us don't give. We don't know what it means. We don't know what part they play in our life or our quality of life. They just steal the government job. Excuse me. To educate them and make connection between between uh, the bread and the gravy. You know how they connect right. it. You know how that's do, right. You, you know, why is that important? Why? But if you vote, okay, Trump just cut your food stamps, right? All you folks are on food stamps. All y'all on food stamps. You need to go get them together, have a meeting. All y'all that's food right. stamps. <laughs> the man just cut y'all food stamps, okay? Oh, yeah. Are you oh, hungry yeah. and are you angry? If you're hungry yeah. and angry, you need to sign up and you need to vote, like right now. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> you, know, oh, you, yeah, make that connect, you know, make that connection for them. That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Okay, uh, let me bring in, I think Ms. Brianna just let me know that Minister Major's on, so if he wants to jump in and ask uh, any questions, we're not asking questions. Uh, to you, Dr. Andre, uh, about and so uh, Minister Major is another one of our team members, and so, sir, uh, Minister Major, you there? Do you have a question for uh, the doc? And you can let he just tuned in because well, he can share with you. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been on since I, about I, nine o'clock. I just been listening. Oh, okay, man. Yes, we we were in a candidate yeah. forum tonight. Uh, Minister Major can tell you a little bit about our candidate forum. We heard about uh, we heard about uh, Mr. Arthur's uh, candidate forum there in the Dallas area. So you want to share anything with us, with us tonight in regards to our yeah. candidates for here in Tyler? It, it, it was very enlightening, and uh, I wish a lot more people would have came out. And the senator was right. You know, a lot of people don't know. But the sad part about it is they don't want to know. Uh, I yeah. spoke with a young lady that's 32 years old. She told me she never voted before. 
And uh, yeah. he had problems keeping jobs and stuff. And just like Brother Arthur said, uh, uh, she, I, she ain't on food stamps or nothing. But if she was, she wouldn't know how to even defend herself on that. See, the problem That's with right. black America is uh, that, that white America has shaped our lives to That's everything right. is around them. You know, they showed us the white angels, the white Jesus. Everything associated with white is good. Everything associated with black is bad. And we have a great superiority complex about that. And a lot of us just mosey along in life like it's all right. But it's not all right. And the reason that we don't feel like we're equal is because the Constitution says we're three-fifths human beings. And ain't nobody even fought to have that change yet. Uh, because yeah. I feel if they had a fault strong enough, that it would have been changed because all men are equal. Yeah. And when I say all men are equal, it's not just men, male figures, but women as well. And, and and we have to know that. And if we feel that we aren't equal, then we will always have a great fairy complex about ourselves when we go out in society. And we're quick to give our dollar away to people that's going to oppress us instead of spending our dollars in the community to build it up to where we can educate ourselves with the charter schools to teach our history or where we come from. We were brought to a country that forced us to learn their language. Uh, learn learn about their God And we had never had a chance To experience ours And uh, I was, I'm a strong believer In Christianity, don't get me wrong I believe Jesus Christ did down Calvary's cross That we may have salvation But that's another subject What I'm saying is that we have to Want to learn the system A lot of people see these people In office and they just there They don't know that they're there for us And to help us and, right. and, and, and we don't use the system the way it's supposed to be used. But you have those who have taught from birth up how to use the system and get around it and make it better for them. And black America don't know how to use the system. They just go through life wandering like, like the children of Israel out there in the desert for 40 years. And that's how we are today. We're still wandering. But let me. I want to jump in there. Uh, Minister Major mentioned uh, how many people were, it should have been more people. Well, I, I think we would have been over the fire code if we had any more. Actually, well, it was pretty packed. Packed. Don't get me wrong. We were packed. Yeah, it, it was. It was packed in there. It should have yeah, been, been, been a line out that door. Yes. Well, and 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 that's the one. I always. This is what I always say when events happen. Everybody that was supposed to be there was there. But we're going to have more of those so that we can educate more people. And then the second thing I want to mention to Minister Major is that he said that black people were brought here, forced to learn their language. Now, I don't know who there is, but that but that's the Queen's English uh, language uh, that uh, we have here language. in the United States. No, that's the Queen's English language <laughs> that, we are, that we're speaking here in America. Uh, that's the language that that, that well, language called well, English. They, well, they forced well, the Hispanic it, language on us now, and it's for and it's for illegal people. It, the no, people English, the, the, the Hispanics that was born here, they speak English. But the what the one that wasn't born here, they forced their language on us so we can learn their language, and they getting all the jobs because it's got to be bilingual to have them. Well, actually, and can, and, 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 and can I say this about meetings and the influence? And, and, and you know, again, we're in a social media age, y'all. Uh, yes. You know, when, when you look at and we're, numbers we're in a global world, too, right? We're yeah, in a global uh, world. Yeah. Not, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring that uh, yeah. up. So we need to learn yeah, more yeah. language. Yeah. Go so ahead. when you look at so, so, so you look at the number of people at a meeting, you look at you look at number of people taking camera taking pictures and so forth. Right. Those. Those meetings get on social media and they exponentiate. Yes, they 
so you, yeah. so you really can't so you really can't just look at the numbers in a meeting and say, wow, you know, I wish if there could have been this many more. No, 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 no. It, 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 you know, we, we've been exponentiated by the technology. So well, when I, I say I number of people, I'm talking about those who can receive the knowledge of what's going on. I'm not talking about the ones that are monkey signing with the cameras and going on taking pictures. I'm talking about one that can receive the knowledge of what's going on, why these people yeah, running, and what they're running okay, for. Okay, well, I'm just saying that's this, what I mean yeah, by yeah. the number of people. Oh yeah, like I say, you know, but I'll never know how many of them can receive because you know it's kind of, you know, it's kind of. Yeah, I mean, we don't exactly. Yeah, y'all can get to their mind like that. Right, right, and their heart. You know, and, yeah, and they're hard. I'm just glad that I woke up and got conscious of what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. We just kind of wanted to uh, to bring that out. I'm glad that uh, that you were having one there in Dallas as well. And this is and people are waking up, Dr. Andre. They're they're wanting to yeah. know what is going on in their community and around them. And and, and I, we have to remember this as well. Everybody is not at the same level at the same time. That's um, right. I, I thank my parents my father in particular for getting me involved in the political process when I was 18 years of age. That's how old I was when I worked on my first campaign. So just because I did that at that age does not mean that Minister Major or or anybody else, Miss Rihanna, I don't know how old she was when she first began, but she probably started pretty early because she came from a very political family. So all I'm saying is that we have to take people for where they are and then move forward with them. So, That's right. And, and you're right, we're, I agree we're with not, that. And, and we're not in a, we're not actually, we can't just look at just America because of that social media that Mr. Arthur Gibson right. is talking about. We live in a global society. Global. I, when, I, I, when I was in the military, I traveled into 35 countries in my career. So, therefore, I think global and not just right here locally in this That's community. Right. So there we, we are. We are international citizens. We are international yes, we are. citizens. We are. We are. And, and it's not going to ch- not going to change. It's going to be that way. Well, you know, we always talk a little bit. It's, it's time for us to end, really. But we talk a little bit. I'm going to let you end it with us, Dr. Andre, and, and tell us, give us your website and everything. We thank you so much for being on with us tonight. We didn't touch on what's going on in Washington, D.C. I always, every candidate that comes on, I want to hear what they feel about what's happening uh, in Washington, D.C. Because even though all politics is local, so is that politics local there in Washington, yeah. D.C. Well, because all of them come from down in our communities, right? But go ahead. That's right. Your final Thank you so oh, much for wow. being with us. I, I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you listening and giving us this forum to share our hearts. And I really appreciate your understanding and your understanding. Uh, you could go to my campaign website at www.pfizer4, that's the number 4, texas.org. That's Pfizer, the number 4, Texas at O-R-G, and you could email me at Andre, that's U-N-D-R-A-I, at PfizerForTexas.org. That's Andre at PfizerForTexas.org. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving me the space. Thank you so much. And, and anytime you want to come back and be right here with us again, we'd be happy to have you. We have two other shows that we bring forth during the course of the week, uh, Marvelous Monday tonight and 
Wellness Wednesday on Wednesday morning and a view from the top on Thursday because we want to make sure that people across the nation, across the great state of Texas are educated on what is going on in their community. Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank you, Ms. Rihanna, for taking over. Thank you. Uh, we thank, thank our early uh, candidate. Thank you. I mean, he, uh, he's hey, brother May, how's it going? Hey, Rihanna. Thank you. Keep it going. It's going thank you, Rihanna. Thank Back you, Miss Rihanna. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Miss Rihanna. Thank you, Doctor McKillop. Yes, sir. Thank Kelly. you. Yes. Of course, thank you, Doctor Back. Back. Thank you, sister. Yes. <laughs> One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours. When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be sure, oh, no. The glory, oh, glory, hands to the heavens, no man, no weapon. Against yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up. When it goes down, we woman and man up. They say stay down and we stand up. Stop, we on the ground. The camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. One day, when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be out. Oh, one day. When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be Every man, woman, and child Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero Facing the league of justice, his power was the people Enemy is lethal, a king became regal Saw the face of Jim Crow under a bald ego The biggest weapon it's to stay peaceful, we sing Our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win the war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day, 
when the glory comes. 